Well, good morning. Uh, as you uh, see, uh, we're introduced as, uh, my name is Roger Harsh, and my wife was right here. We grew up here in the Czech Republic, uh, been here for 30 years, and uh, this is an amazing building. We've known this building, we've been here before, but one thing that stands out in our memory is, is how we held in February 2020, 360 European YWAMers came here to this building just before the COVID struck. It just, that was an amazing time. And uh, so that brings back a lot of memories. And it's so good to see you all here. You know, it's, it's amazing what God is doing. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm speaking about, uh, about Abraham. And uh, you've heard of Abraham. Uh, and Abraham believed God. He believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it as, to him as righteousness. He believed God, and the Lord accounted it as righteousness. We live by faith. We are a community of believers who live by faith. Each one of us. And that's where our righteousness comes from. Hallelujah. But Abraham, he had to leave where he was at. God directed him to move. And first, uh, let's go to Genesis 11, uh, 31. And Terah uh, took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, Haran and daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went with them to Haran and dwelt there. Now, the interesting thing about Ur of the Chaldees, Ur of the Chaldees was, was steeped in in uh, idol worship and, and uh, false gods, in, in occultism. So that's part of the reason why Terah departed with his family. You know, they were seeking God. They were uh, people who were seeking God. And they fled. They went to Haran. Haran is, is an area just below Turkey. If you think about the, 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 the area the, where they're at, it's just below Turkey. So that's where they were at for a time. God, God directed Abram also to move from there. I don't know how many years later, but uh, so they went to Canaan land. And that's uh, where modern day Israel is, where uh, you know, and you can go to see the sites where Abraham, Abraham was buried. You can see where he lived. You can also see where, where Jesus walked in that area. But uh, then, you know, as society there in Haran continued to move, and uh, then later on you read about... about uh, about uh, Jacob. Jacob, okay, the story of Jacob. You know the story of Jacob, right? Jacob, uh, his name means supplanter. 
But anyways, uh, him and his brother, they had some sibling rivalry. And uh, what happened was he was, uh, he was directed, his, his mother and his father decided, well, let's send Jacob back to meet his uncle Laban. Maybe he can be there, and by then uh, Esau's hatred toward him might, might wane so that maybe you know, they will get together again. Or maybe there will be peace between these two tribes. But anyways, uh, Jacob went back. And you know the story about how Jacob, uh, he uh, worked for his father-in-law, for, for, uh, for his uncle Laban, for seven years, seven years to find a wife, Rachel. But what happened? You all know the story. You know, I, I, you know, I keep trying to imagine what this was like for him. You know, I, I know Robin and I were married about 27 years ago. And, uh, you know, I, you know, uh, amazing, beautiful wife. And, you know, I, we, you know, we spent the night together and woke up the next morning. Here she was, my beautiful bride. Jacob, they went to sleep. I don't know, maybe he had a little too much to drink or something. But anyways, he went, they went to sleep, woke up the next morning. <gasps> Whoa, who is this? Slept with the wrong woman. Oh my goodness. But what happened? Anyways, uh, Uncle Laban said, well, Jacob, you know, in our culture, we have to give the older sister away first before the younger sister. Okay, okay, you want to do that, okay. So he had to work another seven years, 14 years altogether. 14 years. Wow. You know, he's going through some difficult times. And old Uncle Laban has changed his wages a number of times. And uh, finally, finally, Jacob decides, you know, we got to leave. We got to get out of here. We got to get out of Dodge, okay? So they left. And uh, Uncle Laban didn't know about it. Then uh, let's look at uh, Genesis 13, 19. And now Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the household idols that were her father's. Now already, Laban was into idol worship. He was into worshiping false gods. And, it, and for some reason, I don't know why, Rachel decided to take him. Maybe for comfort or something, who knows. But anyways, uh, it shows that that society was still drifting from God. That society was still drifting away from a personal relationship with the God of the universe who really loved these people. You know, I think about this, how they have moved. And many of you, many of you, you've moved to Prague from your, from your nations. God called you here, or you came to escape tyranny, or you came for some other reason. But anyways, you ended up moving to Prague. 
And God has blessed you here. Maybe you came from a family that were, uh, that were not, really not serving God, but you're here nevertheless, and you're being productive, and God is using you to change lives here. And that, that's part of my own history. My, uh, uh, my, uh, my family history, my father's family migrated from uh, Germany eventually to America in 1680. And their, their reason for migrating was to escape persecution. And uh, they became missionary farmers in, in uh, the area where they moved to. So, that's, you know, that's, that's amazing. So each one of us have something that, that we have had to move away from. And I think about with, uh, with Thanksgiving is just around the corner. And I think about our Puritan pilgrim fathers who migrated from England in 1620 to establish what they considered as a, as a free colony where they could worship God and not be under the heel of some tyrannical government controlling them. You know, that, and uh, so each of us, we've had to move. You know, Robin and I, we both migrated here to Prague. You know, I, I, was, I grew up in Michigan, she grew up in Ohio, and uh, we, we worked most of our adult lives in the States, and then something happened. We were called here. We were called here to live. Our kids grew up here, and uh, it's, this is a, an amazing thing. But, uh, you know, Lord has called each one of you. I don't care who you are, what your background is, He has called you somehow to minister to others. He has called you to build up this community where you live. And some of you are involved with evangelism. Some of you are involved with with, uh, home groups. Some of you are involved with reaching out to the poor and homeless. And this is your calling for this time. See, He desires to use you to change this world. You know, some people look at the church and they see the pastor. And the pastor is supposed to be the guy that does all the work. Wait a second. We're a community, right? You're a community. You're a community of believers who God has called to this nation. And some of you who are living here as Czechs, God has also called you to this nation to reach out to your own people. Because God loves this nation. He loves this people. He loves you. And He wants to use you for His glory. For His glory. You know, that's why part of the reason why Rabin and I uh, came here to reach out. In the early years... Both of us, we smuggled Bibles. I don't know if you, any of you heard of Brother Andrew. Yeah, I used to work with him, and Robin worked for another Solison out of, out of, uh, out of Sweden. But uh, 
Both of us did this. And that's, that's what really struck my heart for Central and Eastern Europe. You know, I remember uh, careering into Central Europe, meeting pastors who were so zealous for Jesus, yet the Estebe or the Stasi or the Kejebe was watching them. They knew it, but yet there was a joy in their hearts that I could see that most American Christians didn't seem to have. You know, and that's all of us. These people faced difficult times. These people faced testings, testings again and again and again. And each one of you, I know in your, in your vision of coming to Europe, you chased, you, you had testings. And God was given you the ability to overcome in those testings. Each one of you, I know if I were to speak to you, you could tell me things that you've been through. And, and for myself, personally, you know, I, I didn't accept Christ until I was uh, 26 years old. So I'd already, I was religious, I was doing religious things, but I was basically a Christian without Christ until Jesus got a hold of me and changed my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know something? You have that ability to speak to others because all it takes is one person speaking to someone else about the love of Jesus. The fact that Jesus Christ is real. Jesus Christ is not just some guy hanging on a cross in a, in a, in a church. He is alive and well today, and he loves each one of us with amazing love that can change other hearts. And I want to tell you something. People out there, they see you. They may not, they may not be, you know, they may not let on that they see the presence of Jesus in you. Because there's a lot of pride issues with a lot of people. But anyways, I know that they see the presence of God in you. They see the peace of the Lord in you. And continue to share that peace. Continue to share that joy of knowing Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, I just love Jesus. I don't know if you can tell, but hallelujah. Glory to God. I remember hearing the testimonies of, you know, of other Christians who, who lived under communism. There was a, a man who really affected my life early on after I came to Christ. This man's name was Richard Warmbrand. I don't know if any of you heard of him, but he was a, a Lutheran pastor in Romania during the communist times. And he spent 14 years in prison, 14 years for his faith. This man, Richard Warmbrand, could have just, no, I won't talk. You know, I'll just kind of sink back into my own little house, my own little place, and kind of avoid, <laughs> avoid being persecuted. But he said no. And it was actually his wife, Sabina, who, who asked, who told him, she told his, her husband, Richard, Richard, I did not marry a coward. 
His wife told him that. Because, you know, he had a decision to make. Either he should speak the truth of Jesus Christ, or he should shrink back and do nothing and be a coward. And Sabina said, I did not marry a coward. So he knew that his wife was with him. He had to speak. He had to, he had to speak the truth, even in a society that was not open to hearing the truth. Even in a society where brothers and sisters in Christ that he knew, and eventually him, would be thrown in prison. Hallelujah. What kind of test have you been through? What kind of test have you gone through? You know, I've gone through tests myself, personally. You know, when, when I wanted to, you know, I felt that God was calling me to Europe. And God dealt with my heart. But Several times he closed the doors for me to come. Then finally, in that 19, in the mid-80s, I was able to come. But, you know, it's just amazing how God opens doors in his time. And sometimes if the door closes on you, it's God saying, wait, I have a better time for you. I have a better time for you. And I will use you in, in, uh, for, for my glory. You know, remember, a test can be hard, but a test is also a picture of God's love for you. You know, the scripture talks about how how God loves those who he tests. Remember that. Remember that next time, you know, the end of the month is coming and your finances are already gone. Remember that. Remember that the next time someone uh, accuses you of something. Remember that. That's just a test. And that God loves you. He loves you. And testings helps us to grow in Christ. Testing is something that God uses to cause us to grow. And that's an amazing thing. You think about it. Well, you know, I don't need to be tested. I don't need to be tested. You know, I'm, I've, I've been to Bible school. I've, you know, I've been part of this church for many years. Hey, I'm okay. No, wait. Testing is a true way of growing in Christ. Of knowing Him. Of following Him. Of, of, of hearing his voice, because I know that each one of you, each one of you are able to hear his voice. Each one of you. Hallelujah. If you know Christ, he is speaking to you. And sometimes he speaks in a small, a small still voice, like you did with Jeremiah. Sometimes he speaks through someone else. And you men, sometimes he speaks through your wife. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I've had to eat humble pie. Hallelujah. You know, 
God wants to increase in you his faith. He wants to increase in you the things that he desires to do. And, you know, Abraham was tested. Now, he was probably tested more than I would ever desire to be tested. But uh, let's go to, to Genesis 22.1. Now, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac who you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Whoa. Now, God spoke to Abraham, but, uh, and uh, for some reason, I just kind of sense that Abraham didn't talk to this about his wife. I just don't think he did. I could be wrong, but if, let's say, if your husband were to tell you that, oh, I need to take my son and kill him, uh, that wouldn't go over too well. It wouldn't be too good for the marriage, would it? No. So Abraham obeyed God. And Abraham, okay, now, now look at this. Abraham was a hundred years old when Sarah gave birth to Isaac. He waited a long time for this boy. Whoa. And yet, God is saying, take him, sacrifice him. Which is normally would have been totally unthinkable in that culture. In, in, in the, the Jewish culture they were living in. Okay, the, the, uh, the pagan cultures, of course, they all sacrificed babies and children, you know, to appease the gods. But, but because of Abraham and his, the values that he had and the, his love for God, he, that was really forbidden in his culture. But yet he was obedient. Let's go to Hebrews 11:17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He had, uh, whom he had received a promise and offered up his only begotten son, whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figure of sense. Knowing, Abraham knowing that somehow, he didn't know, somehow Isaac was going to live through this. And of course, you know the story about how uh, you know, he was about ready to plunge the knife into, into Isaac, and what happened? An angel. Don't do it. And God spoke to him. He says, I, I see your faith. Your faith is so amazing that you were willing to give the very 
best thing in your life to serve me. And you know something? We think about the gospel of Jesus. How God was so willing to give his own son. Give up his own son for you. Even though you were lifeless. Even though you were away from God. Even though you are evil people. We're all evil people without the grace of God. But when Jesus changed our lives, we become, we become changed. We become new inside. But see, God was willing to give his only begotten son, which in a, with Abraham was a figure. Abraham was willing to give his only begotten son. His only son. And Jesus gave himself for you personally. You personally. Personally. You know, that, that's the amazing thing. I'm amazed at how God, God is able to speak to you the same time he speaks to me. He's able to minister to you the same time he ministers to me. He's a personal God, yet he has that amazing ability to be personal with each one of you. Each one of you. That's, that's, that is shocking. That is something that is amazing. Hallelujah. You know, something. And God, God, he did that for you. How are you being tested in your life? What's happening to you? I know we are all go through, go through different testings. All of us. All of us. Relationships go bad. Relationships go sour. Why? You know, kids are doing things they shouldn't do. Why? Finances, of course, you know. All of us face little different things like this. Sickness, illness in the family. Some of you are from tyrannical governments. You know, these governments have no love for Christians at all. So, you know, God is testing us in so many different... You, you may not live in a tyrannical government, but you know something? God is using things in your life, even in this city, even in this nation, to prepare you for greater things in his kingdom. You know, and that's, that's to focus on. Focus on his work. Focus on his love. You know, both Robin and I, it's, I, I shared, it, shared it before, we both smuggled Bibles beforehand. And you know, uh, that is something that God put on my heart probably very strongly in the, in the, in the early, in the mid-70s, in 1970. You know, and I thank God for that he called me there. But, you know, it was not easy. You know, some people you would talk to about going and smuggling Bibles, they would make a comment, so, well, what do you want to do that for? Isn't that illegal? Huh? 
But there's a higher law. A higher law that God has to bring life to nations that are dying. To bring life to people that are dying. Even though you say, oh, isn't that illegal? But wait a second. There's a higher law of the gospel. There's a higher law of the scripture that is above that law. Hallelujah. And uh, that's for, uh, you know, all of our, all our brothers, even today, I know of situations where people are smuggling into North Korea. They're smuggling into China. They're smuggling into the Muslim countries. And, you know, for them, it can be far worse than what we experienced. Far worse. Far worse. I was speaking to a, a man who ministers to, to people. And he said that you, he was talking about missionaries who are smuggling into North Korea. Some of them, they go and they know that they may not return alive. Some of them, they, they just take it for granted. I'm taking the gospel into, into this other country, and I know I may not turn, return alive. Now that's a commitment. That's knowing the joy of Jesus in your life. For us, for each one of us, death, there's no sting. Death has no sting. Oh, grave, where is your victory? Hallelujah. Death is like walking through the door for a Christian and meeting Jesus face to face. That's the most glorious thing in the world. Hallelujah. And some of you, I, I, I know that if you have, don't have a, a strong relationship with Jesus, you can have one. You can experience that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, I just love Jesus. And, I, and I'm thankful to each one of you that you love Jesus. We're, we're all together in that, right? Hallelujah. But, you know, before I came to Europe, I, I pastored for a while. I was uh, a pastor in Columbus, Ohio. And, and God really drilled on my hearts. I... Uh, I, my heart was so grieved at the murder of unborn children. You might ask, why? Why were you so concerned about that? When I, uh, a little bit about my own life, I was born in 1950. I weighed one kilo. One kilo. And they thought I was going to die. But praise God, I lived. One kilo. My, my, my mom was six months pregnant when I was born. Hallelujah. I was called a miracle baby. Praise God. And for me, knowing that children are being murdered 
who are probably even older than I was when I was born, just grieve my heart to no end. You know, I would, I would go to abortion mills and, and share with people about how God loves these children. And even I, I even spent, I was even thrown in jail once for doing that. But see, it was, it's in the heart. My desire to bring the good news of life, of life to others. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm so thankful that, that God has brought me here. I'm so thankful for His life. Hallelujah. How do you find yourself what, what is happening with you in your lives? What is happening with you? Because God wants to touch your lives. He wants to bring you hope. Are you afraid of losing friends if you share Jesus with others? Are you afraid of Losing friends if you share what Jesus really means to you? Or do you think that no one will be interested in your testimony? Oh, I just lived a really boring life. I didn't do drugs. I didn't run around. I didn't do all these bad things. It's, you know, I have a really boring... No, you don't. You have a testimony. Each one of you. You have a testimony in your life of how God touched you personally. Each one of you. There's a scripture. It's Revelation uh, 12, 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives even unto death. Wow. What an amazing scripture. The word, the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You have overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb. Each one of you have been, have been, uh, have been covered by the blood of the Lamb. All it takes is to say, Jesus, if you're real, I want to know you. Please come into my life. Change my life. Make it new inside. Put new life in me that, that, so I can do what you're calling me to do without fear. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, there's others that, I, that I've, I've read about who are good examples of those who have overcome. Because each one of you are also an overcomer. If you know Jesus, you are an overcomer. Amen? Hallelujah. One, there's a, one man that I've read a lot of his books. His name is Eric Metaxas. You know, he, he was a son of immigrants who migrated to the United States in the 1950s. Yeah. And yet, God used him. He wrote a number of books 
uh, about Martin uh, biographies of Martin Luther, William Wilberforce, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Amazing author. Just, and yet, here he, here he was basically nobody. Came to the United States, and then God just worked with, his, with, with him and, and brought him to know Jesus. He had, he had, a, he had an amazing uh, experience with Jesus Christ. You know, he, was, he grew up as an Orthodox Jew, or as Orthodox Greek, Greek Orthodox, but yet he had no relationship with God. And then someone shared with him one night, he experienced Jesus. He experienced the presence of Jesus in his life. And that's what changed him. That's, and, and, he, and now he's, he's, a, he's, he's written many, many books. Another man that changed, that I, I really love, is um, uh, Bodhi Bachman. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he also is an author. He's written a number of books. He, he's actually a, a dean of a seminary in uh, Lusang, Lusaka, Zimbabwe. Z- Zambia, I'm sorry, Zambia. But anyways, uh, also is, is an amazing author. You know, and this guy... A young black guy grows up in, in drug-infested, gang-infested Los Angeles, and here he is, a missionary, has written many books. That's amazing. You know, I, I grew up as a, just a nominal Christian in my life. And it wasn't until someone asked me a simple question, a very simple question, Roger, do you know Jesus? well, I've been baptized. Yeah, but do you know Jesus? Well, I go to church. Yeah, but do you know Jesus Christ? And that question drilled on my heart. Drilled on my heart. And finally, one night, I cried out to God. And I said, God, I don't understand this. If you're real, I want to know you. But if you're not real, I'm just going to forget about this whole religious thing. Jesus answered my prayer. He came into my life and he changed it forever. That was more than 40 years ago. Hallelujah. That is so wonderful to know Jesus and to know that he is working. And each one of you also have a testimony similar to that. Each one of you do. Now, I, I really believe that there, you know, some of you may want prayer. I, I don't know how you do it, but I'm sure there are leaders in this church, leaders in this church, if you have questions about faith, if you have questions about what it means to follow Jesus, if you have questions about, about a calling that you may have on your life, you can approach any one of these leaders, and I'm sure they will speak to you. Because you know, they want to see you grow in Christ. They want to see you fulfill your calling in Him. Because each one of you are called. Each one of you. Hallelujah. In Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, Jesus is talking to us. Come unto me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. 
and you will find rest for your souls. Hallelujah. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. His yoke is easy. There's nothing like serving Jesus. And each one of you are in that, in the same tribe. We're all serving Jesus, right? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's pray. We're just going to pray and ask God just to come and just uh, uh, move in our lives. Gracious Heavenly Father, we exalt you. We praise you. We love you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we ask that you would move in our lives. And Lord, I ask that you move in each heart here, oh God. Lord Jesus, Lord, if, the, if, if some of you are, are in a dry place and, you, and you're trying to figure out what is next for you, God has something for you. God has something for you. Because He is real. Jesus is real. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We love you. God bless you.